This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by Athon Books. Check out the very best in science fiction and fantasy at athonbooks.com. You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wyatt, Terry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, J.T. Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Sanders, Robin Mock, Ernest Klein, Tim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm super excited to have a writing duo that goes by the name Rucker Moses, but you might know them as Harold Hayes Jr. and Craig S. Phillips. They have a phenomenal new book. It's called Kingston and the Magicians Lost and Found. And guys, what a fun book. Um, And they actually uh, write this with a third author. Uh, Theo is a Ganji, and, uh, and, and what an amazing story this is. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Hank. Thank you for having us, Hank. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we begin the show, uh, each show, with the same question, and that question is, and I, I'm going to pitch it uh, over to Harold first. Um, the question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Ooh, wow. My first memory of wanting to be a writer storyteller. So I'm going to start with the storyteller part first. Okay. So the, my first memory of being a, of wanting to be a storyteller would probably be from when my father, because he was in the military, um, in the army, he took me to, uh, to his office once and, and it was, you know, obviously on a military base. So you see all the, big trucks and the machinery and stuff like that. And, oh, yeah. you know, and so he's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, this is, this is the army. I get it. But then he took me to this one guy's office where this guy was like, had all these miniatures set up and he was like the AV guy and he was making these little mini movies. And the guy <laughs> showed me, <laughs> he showed me these, these mini movies that he was making for the army. And he was just, and he had all this equipment and he was just in this little studio by himself kind of doing this cool stuff. And I was just, it was such a, you know, different juxtaposition of what, of what, what you would think about the army. Then he goes to this little studio, this guy making little movies. And it wasn't just like, all, it wasn't all just for the army. Some of them were like, yeah, like little UFOs attacking the little, little, <laughs> little, 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 little tanks and stuff. And I just thought that was a really, really cool thing to do. So that kind of got me into, I think, wanting to also try out storytelling. <clears throat> did um, writing, no, go, go ahead, Harold. I'm sorry. And did for writing, I would say, you know, I honestly never really <laughs> considered myself to become a writer. It, it kind of happened out of uh, necessity of uh, communication, um, in, in high school, no, I mean, in college, uh, you know, I started learning that, uh, the, the, the more precise my, my conversation was on a paper, the better my grades would get. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so then when Craig and I started, uh, wanting to, uh, tell stories together, 
it was again just a, a necessity of communication to say, okay, I'm trying to convey a thought here, but the best way to do that accurately is to put it down on paper. And so uh, to write it, to write it down was uh, for me because I kind of I kind of have a, a mind of of efficiency where I want to be very efficient in what I'm trying to convey. And so I never really thought of it as a desire to be a, to become a writer, whereas I kind of say in a weird way, I'll just be honest, I kind of want to be more of a uh, producer director. But uh, but writing became uh, a mode of necessity for me. And it's also it's obviously a fun. One, so. I love it. Uh, Craig, what about you? What's your first memory? Yeah, you know, I think think back um, <clears throat> growing up, I grew up in the South. My family, I grew up in Georgia, um, in Atlanta. And my, you know, my family was all from Tennessee and Alabama. And, you know, if, if you grow up in a place like that, there's a lot of storytelling going on. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of um, kind of, I'll just call it like big fish kind of storytelling. And when oh, yeah. you're young, you don't really, you think everything that everybody's saying is real. So you assume that, you know, if they tell you not to go down by the creek because there's some monster in the water, that there's really a monster in the water. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, it's like, it was that, I think that made a huge impression on my imagination and the way that everybody was conveying these stories. And these, and it, and it was always really detailed stories that I assume had been passed down for generations. Um, and these are all very uneducated people who are incredible storytellers, you know? <laughs> um, and so this was, you know, I think that was kind of my, my first, um, that, that part of my life was really special as a kid. And um, I, I think I've carried that imagination on. And then, you know, I think as I got older and I started realizing they're making this up. I can make this up. <laughs> um, I started, you know, getting into to writing myself. And I remember, I think like the first story I ever wrote, I wanted to do a detective thing. It was Derek, the detective. I remember that. <laughs> um, and then I remember I wrote a story um, in, in middle school. Like they, they let us write our own story and illustrate it. And that was probably the best project I ever had. Um, and my whole story was a, about a kid who's um, got in a plane crash and lost his arm, but then became a legendary basketball player. <laughs> so I, I, I even guess at that age, um, my mind was attracted to like interesting stories or giving my characters challenges, <laughs> uh, you know, and then uh, I think I met Harold. We, Harold and I have known each other a long time. I won't say how long, but we went to college together in Athens, Georgia. And uh, yeah, it was the kind of thing like you meet somebody that is equally as passionate about just making stuff. <laughs> and that's what we did. We would just make stuff all the time. We would make, we would sh be filming stuff and writing stuff. And um, we kind of uh, turned it into a job. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Now you you guys met uh, at college in Athens, uh, and Athens, Georgia, is this uh, this almost surreal place, um, at least in legends, um, where it, it's a very artistic place, and and uh, a, a number of great indie rock bands have come out of there, and uh, some of them have gone on to you know worldwide uh, stardom, like REM, for example, um, and. 
did did the the place of Athens um, affect you guys in in uh, in inspiring you to uh, to pursue artistic endeavors or um, do, do you feel like that that your time in that particular place had an effect on what you guys went on to become? Most definitely. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I would definitely say like when I started doing loaded in Athens, like uh, I was not. I, at first, I was a bio pre med major, and then I ended up switching to telecom journal journalism. As uh, one does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of kind of wanted to have fun most of my life. Yeah. <laughs> And, and Athens just got this, uh, uh, how would I say, it, it was like, you have this great campus, which is, you know, picturesque, and, and you have this awesome blend of just, just folks from all walks of life coming there. Uh, but outside of it, you know, there's it's just like rural, kind of some areas a little swampy, and right. old train tracks that I used to kind of, I used to, I used to take a camera and film something at least three times a week at at a minimum three times a week. Uh, when, when they let me get my hands on a camera, check it out. Um, I found labs where, you know, like an agriculture department that didn't even have, like it, they had like a studio and they would let me commandeer it to like make my own television show for the public access, uh, you know, a closed network channel for the, for the, for campus. And then Craig and I ended up team tag teaming on a couple little projects together. Uh, and actually that's, I would say that was really, you know, I'll just say I, I'm kind of, a, uh, I was kind of hard on <laughs> some of the people at school about like being really as passionate about movie making and stuff, but Craig was equally as passionate and he took something that I had done uh, or shot, but couldn't, couldn't, I didn't have time to edit it and he turned it into something else that I had I had not envisioned and, and from there on I knew like oh man we're gonna be buddies <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I've yeah, uh, I mean I'll oh, go ahead no no go ahead Craig I'm sorry yeah I was just saying you know Athens was definitely formidable for me because I felt like um coming out of high school I mean I had played I played baseball and that was kind of my life and I was a, a kid um and when I got to school, you know, I, I wanted to write and I was trying to figure out, I was like, where do I write? And then I would read the school paper, the red and black, that was, that's the local Athens paper. And, um, you know, one day I just said, I'm just going to walk in there and ask them, you know, what, what do I need to do <laughs> to, to write something? And they said, write something. <laughs> I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> but, um, so that's what I did. I, I remember I, the first thing I ever wrote was about, uh, Oktoberfest in Helen, Georgia, which is a very interesting little town, this little Bavarian town up in North Georgia. Um, and I just did an article. I went up there. They said, make sure you, you know, interview a lot of people, get a lot of different perspectives and write an article and we'll see if it's good. And sure enough, you know, that's what I did. And that, you know, I started writing for the paper and I ended up becoming, um, you know, I was the main music writer and that was a good town to write about music. So I got go to free shows i got to interview people like george clinton and um jello biafria and all these amazing people that i mean they anytime somebody would come through atlanta they would end up coming through athens as well to play and um 
they usually would want an article written up in the student paper to get the students out. So they would, you know, it would, it'd be, it'd be crazy. I missed a call from Willie Nelson once. <laughs> I wasn't at the office. Um, oh, but that, those, yeah, those yeah, are the talking. missed opportunities that become <laughs> legend. I, ha- I still have this piece of paper because back then they would, you know, like when I'd come up to the paper, they would just write you a note if somebody had called. And I don't, I honestly don't know if the person answered the phone knew who it was because it was just really nice penmanship. And it just says, Willie Nelson called 234. <laughs> and it was in my inbox. <laughs> what? Um, Not but, something you see yeah, every you know, day. So, yeah, no, it, was, it was interesting. But, but it was just so formidable because I was writing a lot and getting to be around a lot of music and then making films with Harold. And um, yeah, Athens was just a real special time. You know, it's a good time. Absolutely. Um, so eventually you you two got together and decided to form a creative team. Um, and I've had, you know, over the the more than a thousand episodes of the show we've done, th- there's been a number of writing duos um, that we've had on the show. Sometimes they go by their individual names and and personalities. And sometimes the the two form a writing partnership that can only manifest as, as a, as a third person almost. Um, and, and you guys are Rucker Moses, uh, which, you know, is a, is a pen name that, that comprises both of you guys and, and forgive the pun, but um, sometimes when, when that happens, when, when a third entity uh, is created from these two people, something magical happens. Um but uh, what what was the uh, the motivation for you guys to to form this partnership uh, and to to you know create another entity that you go by? <laughs> um, well, uh, I'll let Craig take his first stab at that. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I think you know I think some of the thinking was that when our our company that we have is called Sunny Boy, which is that's Harold. Um, it's your grandfather, right, Harold? Yeah, that was my my. Uh, uh, yes, that was my grandfather's uh, nickname. nickname. Um, yeah, he, he was. Uh, uh, I never met my grandfather on my father's side, and um, and I wanted to pay some homage to him, and because um, he was an artist in his own way, and so that was his name. Yeah, so you know when we when we started Sunny Boy, we always kind of prescribed to this mentality that we work for Sunny Boy, right? <laughs> and it always kind of kept you honest and humble in that sense that um, it, it just kept the playing field even, you know, the way that everybody that works with us, um, you know, we're always saying that we work for Sunny Boy. So we kind of wanted to go about this first book in the same way that we create an entity outside of ourselves to represent ourselves. <laughs> Um, and we just thought that if we're gonna, if we're gonna go about this, you know, we've been one voice with all of our creative endeavors for so long, we should, we should do that. Um, and we should, we should make a new entity that, and it's funny, we we thought for a second, like, maybe we'll just be Sunny Boy again. And maybe there's a way we can spell it. Um, and Stacy, our publisher shot that down pretty quick. Cause it seemed pretty silly to call you. <laughs> um, but, but so we, um, so we came up with Rucker Moses and the name itself came from, so 
we could get more into this, but there's a character in the book named Black Herman who is a you know real magician, um, fantastic story, and he was you know he's he's probably the most well-known black magician, but not a lot of people know about him. And we had done a ton of research on um, magicians and magic history and all this stuff. We were reading so much about it um, as we were getting into this, this world. And we never heard about him till way, way late down into the, um, you know, our research. And we came about in a really weird way where we learned that Sun Ra, the musician, was named after his real name is Herman, and he was named after this black magician named Black Herman who was selling out, you know, four thousand state theaters in Harlem. And we're like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, um, but Black Herman's real name is Benjamin Rucker, so that's where the Rucker came from. And uh, the Moses, uh, as we get deeper into these stories and into our world, there is a a big connection to Egypt which we've also done a lot of research on and we have a lot of opinions about. Um, and Egypt is fascinating to us and how the, the context of it historically and what actually happened in Egypt and how long has it been there and all that is, you know, really interesting. And we've weaved it into, especially into the second book. Um, but so, you know, Moses came from that and, you know, knowing that Moses was a magician, you know, he was, he was trained as a magician. <laughs> And magic was like a religion to the Egyptians. Um, so that's that's where it came together. Yeah. So I, a, um, a a tip of the hat to to all of the influences that that uh, yeah, yeah. come yeah. to kind of define. Um, so you, you guys not only have written Kingston and the Magicians Lost and Found, which is the book we're talking about today. But you also have done some some other writing and and, and other formats. Um, what got you guys kind of started professionally and, and how did, uh, you know, how did it feel to, to have a writing partner, um, that you could, you know, that, that you could get involved in stuff with and, and kind of feel a companionship, um, Harold? Oh, well, Craig and I, uh, again, like we're making little short things at, at the university of Georgia, but when we came to to California, we both kind of ended up here uh, around the similar around the same time. Uh, we just kept wanting to continue making. Um, oh no, no! I got to go back and touch touch back before we got to California. We made a short film called uh, Canvas in Atlanta, and that's when we actually kind of really tried to do our first screenplay together uh, and kind of go around town shooting this thing. I, I can say definitely didn't work out as well as we wanted, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was <laughs> based on uh illustrated man. Yeah. Ray Bradbury. Yeah. Um, so we also in that process learned that we like a lot of the same things like science fiction, Ray Bradbury, you know, theoretical physics and stuff like that. So, so, <laughs> so we ended up with all of these the, things that just lead yeah, to the other. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We got to California. We got got here. Greg and I started meeting up maybe three times a week before we had wife. Well, I had a wife, but before we had uh, kids and all those other things that take 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 up your time, we were meeting up a lot uh, after work, just writing on this epic ninja script. (laughs) So. So we did a ton I'm of research. nodding my head like yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, this thing is 
went it went into uh so we we read we we did a ton of research because we didn't want it to be the two guys who, you know, I'm a black guy, Craig's a white guy. They were gonna be the the guys who were writing this this uh epic Japanese, you know, story <laughs> without knowing what we're talking about. So we did a ton of research into ninjas. And so the research component really started to come into our play, I think, writing together at that point. We would write a lot. We wrote this big screenplay. We got we got a manager from that com- from from that scenario, or uh, you know, got hit pocketed for a manager, and um, and then we also started writing like these short kid stuff because we also said, well, no one's ever going to make this screenplay. It's so big, so epic, and bloody, but <laughs> but let's do something fun that we could shoot again, and that's when we came up with this thing called Ghost Town. Yeah, and. That was, uh, we shot that. So that was a, it was a kid script. We shot it ourselves. We paid for it with the money we were making from Sunny Boy and editing and all that. And um, it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And that turned out really great. It was, uh, we shot it up in like central California. And um, that led to us getting put on as writers on a show called Arlstein's Haunting Hour, which was a anthology kids horror show, which was a lot of fun. Um, and we, uh, yeah. So like, when, you know, when we had shot ghost town, they, we were showing it to different people. And, um, there was this really great guy, Ted Biaselli, who's now over at Netflix, but he had seen our short and he put us on, you know, with the show writers. He says, like, I want to, I want you guys to hire these guys to write some episodes. Um, so we met uh, Billy Brown and Dan Angel, who were the showrunners, and were also the showrunners for Goosebumps back in the day for all the '90s kids. Um, and um, that was a great experience. Um, and we, what was so good about that is it, you know, being an anthology show, every episode was just our own weird, crazy ideas. So <laughs> we had one where it was these kids are trying to replace the mascot at school, and um, they have this lame mascot but then the mascot starts taunting them and <laughs> it becomes a, a a duel between these two kids and a and a creepy mascot that was a lot of fun <laughs> and uh we did one about a kid who snitched on his friends um after some incident happened and he had gotten a cast on his arm and uh and then he starts thinking that he has rats growing in his cast <laughs> So we're trying to put the lessons out there, not to be a snitch. <laughs> All the things you learn in the uh, South, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Snitches get stitches. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was fun. And then, and that kind of, I mean, it's funny, the path. We ended up, then we, write a, we were writing on another show called Spooksville, and that's where we met Jane um, Starts, who was our now is basically our literary agent and she uh she's the one that you know motivated us to write kingston as a book series and got us you know we spent probably two years of working on that idea as a book series and getting it really in a good good place for her and um she uh she told us like if you put the work in i will get you guys meetings in new york with all the publishers and and uh, sure enough, she did. And it, it, you know, worked out. And that's, I think that's been the thing with Harold and I is we just, I don't always know what's going to happen next, but you just try to manifest things and bend reality and keep 
moving forward and it all kind of happened <laughs> yeah you know having a writing partner and you know craig and i also we used to go by i don't know if we still call ourselves this but we used to call ourselves frenemies um <laughs> and that we're extremely competitive so like if i were to write five pages i know he's sitting over there writing an epic five pages too so you put your effort you really try and like own those five pages in every time you meet it's just like really make something awesome and and then and then and then we would go through a a rewrite and edit process to kind of like make things flow together but it was really a a, a strong way to keep ourselves motivated and keep ourselves pushing forward and and sometimes you kind of get tired you can easily tell yourself i don't want to do this i'm tired i'm just gonna go watch a movie or whatever but then you know like man he's gonna he's gonna put it down so uh i gotta do this (laughs) (laughs) so so it was was a good way to keep ourselves motivated and just complete stuff and just kind of like have a fun time you know telling each other stories and um and now that we're on we got to that book and and james taking it out uh, we ended up meeting another partner uh, which you know it took a long time for craig and i to develop our relationship but that to meet Theo Ganji, you know, and have him come in and kind of help help us hone the the work the, uh, the the voice of Kingston himself in our in what we had pitched, um, really kind of brought this New York vibe to life. You know, the the voice of a kid from Brooklyn really came out. He turned it our third person writing into a first person, and all of a sudden we heard it. We heard it, and it's. It's different because again, we're we're used to being screen screen screenplay writers, but so you're used to hearing the the the, the words. You're used to hearing someone kind of like speak it, but that yeah. a screenplay is just a blueprint, you know. Uh, whereas this is, you know, you got to write so much other stuff besides dialogue. Um, oh, but yeah. in a way, hearing it from the first person was similar to us, and and we kind of understood it because we actually could hear this guy's thoughts and we could hear him speaking and it just really made a lot of sense. But Theo just became like another brother to us. That's awesome. Authors. I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, 
manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting, and we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Dream Author by Sophie Hanna is an immersive 14-month coaching program for writers at any and every level of experience, and also for those of you who want to write and are just waiting for the right encouragement and guidance to get you started. Your writing dreams should make you happy. For so many of us, our dreams are not a source of happiness. Instead, they cause us stress, guilt, frustration, and even shame. Here's the great news. All of these feelings are natural and all writers experience them. The problem, though, is that when your writing dreams bring you more anxiety than joy, it affects your resolve and your productivity, and you end up not taking the action you need to take in order to propel your dreams in the right direction so that they can stand a strong chance of coming true. That's why Sophie created the Dream Author Coaching Program to teach anyone who is passionate about writing how to change the way they build, think about, and pursue their writing dreams in order to become their own most powerful ally and advocate for the rest of their writing life. And more great news. Once you've learned that skill, it lasts forever. Visit dreamauthorcoaching.com to get started today. Uh, One of the things that I love about doing this show is that... um, getting to hear the stories of of how you got to this point because if if you two guys Harold and Craig would have you know started out at, at college there in 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 eastern georgia um and said i want to write you know middle grade young adult fantasy type stories um that that would be a very different story and and probably would have resulted in a very different book than Kingston and the Magicians Lost and Found. It, it's almost like, Harold, you you needed your love of film and visual storytelling um, to to marry to Craig's, um, you know, love of, of uh, you know, an inherited trait of of Southern storytelling, you know, and, and then you get this this weird gumbo when when then you bring Theo into the mix and and Kingston. And, and the magicians lost and found comes out of that. And you, you never would have gotten this if you guys hadn't then moved to California and, and did all of this stuff together. Um, when do, do you think back on your journey and, 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 you know, um, I, I've talked to a lot of actors, producers, directors who have gone on to write and, and they invariably say that one great thing about writing prose is that you are, kind of the master and commander of the entire process. And you don't have fickle actors who, um, you know, (laughs) may be in the mood one day, maybe they're not, you know, or, uh, you know, you're not the screenwriter whose vision either does or doesn't kind of come to fruition, you know, because there's so many other people involved in the process. When you're writing prose, you are the, you know, the, uh, you're, you're the, the God of the universe, uh, you know, so to speak. Um, How has your, your experience with writing, uh, you know, pure prose now varied from the the other things that you've done. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I think you're right, 100. <laughs> percent And it's um, it's it's amazing when you well, first of all, you really have to 
approach it in a different way and you have to like when you're when you're writing screenplays and you get notes back and all these things everything's about like move things along get it going faster you know we don't need all this stuff this is extra we don't need that and then when you get into writing prose you can take your time and you got to describe everything and the notes you get back are described more and set, set things up and we need tone and we need to feel you know what's going on in here and so i think you know, while Kingston definitely moves at a clip, it's it's really a lot of fun to um you you have to almost go into a meditative state to just be in that place and then just write about it. So and, and write about it in a way that someone else can visualize it. And that's not what you're really doing in a screenplay. In a screenplay, like Harold said, is you're giving someone a blueprint and then they down the road do that part. So um it's it's a really fun um journey to be on and you know we're we're lucky we are lucky that we've with theo we we call theo the professor he is a professor he runs the creative writing program in uh, brooklyn and it it has felt like that where we've we we've had all these ideas and we've been thinking about kingston for so long um and then we get to kind of go in and have these experiences with with Theo where he is equally as nerdy with his likes and everything um you know as far as what he what he's into but to just go through this process and and we feel like we're becoming prose writers and for like me personally I, I try to sit down and write every day now and I and it's it's a practice now and it it makes everything better, you know, because I'm sitting here talking to my my son, my seven year old, like about stories all the time and bouncing ideas off. And I feel like if I don't do it, if I'm not in that headspace every day, um, it's it's like you didn't eat, like you skip lunch. You know, you feel something's wrong, <laughs> something's mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I don't think I always had that urge to constantly writing when we were um, writing screenplays like screenplays was a lot of like hustling and then these like quick spurts of writing, you know, and then notes and talking to people's quick spurts of writing, hustling, but the, the sitting down and, and writing these books and, and getting to write with Theo, it's, it's just real. To me, it's like a meditation every day. And it's just something that you become, becomes a practice in your life. And I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's been, um, liberating in that i get to be really thinking about the entire world like i i i I love world building um so getting the opportunity to really say does this power that this guy is going to wield what do you don't want to say oh you can just do a couple this this and that and that'll look flashy on the screen but now i have to think about why what does it mean how did he what does he feel about it? How do, uh, how do we describe why he feels about it? And all these things that just like, you get to really think about the entire world and, and, and what every little thing mattered and what it means. And so helping, helping Craig and Theo, um, as we all come together, I, I love to put things into a lot of like drill down to like ext- really small details as to what this or that means in, in the inside of a world. And, and we all are world builders, but you know, I mean, I, I really would say that prose writing has kind of le- really helped me kind of 
look at that and say this actually matters whereas in screenwriting i kind of like like we said we someone else is going to paint that picture paint that part of the picture i'm just going to like create this blueprint and that's it so as as two guys who met in georgia uh and now live and work in california um of course your first novel will be set in brooklyn i mean why not So, so tell me, tell me about how Kingston uh, kind of came onto the stage of 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 you guys' minds. Um, you know, who is Kingston? Why is the story set in Brooklyn? And uh, it could, what's the setup for for the series? Yeah, so you know, this whole thing started. Um, you know, funny enough, we actually had written it as a TV series for Amazon. That's that was the beginning of this whole process. So, we were uh, Harold, myself, and our our old friend Mike, who we, you know, were good friends with since Atlanta and Harold's on since high school. We, you know, it it kind of started off. The very beginning of it was this idea of these two homeless guys who are actually magicians and having this magic battle in a city park somewhere. That you know, that was kind of the seed of the idea and Mike, Mike's a great artist and he's sketching all these things. And we just kind of, and then, and then, you know, we added this layer. We're like, what if there's a kid who's watching this? And then we said, well, what if this kid's dad, you know, disappeared in a trick? And he's like, Oh, that's great. You know? And then we're like, well, where did he go? <laughs> so, you know, it, I, I think like anything in our lives, like it just kind of slowly, slowly rolled into this story. And, and then as we, we did that version of it for the TV series. And then it, you know, when Jane pushed us to write it as the book series and Harold and I started tackling that, you really had to go much deeper than we even had just on the TV series. And I think, you know, we, we started, that's when we really started doing a lot of deep research into magic. And it was kind of like, this has to take place in New York. If we're going to go, if we're going to, if we're going to talk about his dad disappearing and we're going to tie it back to all this incredible magic culture and history that was going on. Like New York's kind of the place. And I, I lived in New York after college for a little while and we're up there all the time. And um, we, we always knew we were just like, let's just make, we'll make our own little, our own little neighborhood in a borough, you know, in Brooklyn somewhere. And, and it could just be this place where you know, magicians are are known to have hung out. Um, and then we can start building the world out from there. And it it's just that as soon as it, as soon as we kind of like put that world there, and then we, we came up with this idea that Kings and his mom are coming back to save the family Brownstone that they had their magic shop in and his uncles kind of, they used to be the homeless guys and they're now his uncles. And they've kind of run the place into to ruin and not taking care of it. And his mom doesn't want him to have anything to do with magic. And we're like, let's just like the beginning of this story is him going back and his mom's got purpose there. And Kingston's going to find his dad and he knows he's out there. Um, and I, you know, it just, it, all those elements just started to come together in a natural way. And, and the other thing with Kingston, I feel like we always saw him as this young Basquiat, that was a thing. I, I remember watching that the Basquiat movie where I think it was Jeffrey Wright played Basquiat and they would, they'd have these scenes where he would, he'd be like sleeping in a box and he'd walk out and he'd look up at the sky and there would be this like 
a guy surfing in the sky and it was just this great beautiful all these just beautiful things where you felt like you were inside of his mind and i think that was julian schnabel that it was such a great movie and you know and, and we loved all things so we just always i think we always kind of saw him as this kid who who saw the world like basquiat did and or at least you know in, in some of those movies that we'd watched about him um and the way that he was portrayed and that um he really believes in what happened to his dad and where his dad went to and he wants to figure it out um and new york was just you know just a natural place and you know like i said earlier we're blessed that um stacy over at penguin put us in touch with theo and you know theo's born and bred new york and he's he uh he definitely brought a a, a great voice to, to kingston and, and, and flipping things and putting it in first person yeah well um and there, and central to the story is Kingston looking for his father. Um, and Craig and I have fathers that we both <laughs> really love and look up to, and who've been influential in both of our lives. And so there is this. It, it, I think I think really Kingston before we even came to New York, we realized New York was a thing, but what was always been true to Kingston is that he is looking for his father and because he has a strong love for his father. And so that I would say came directly from us and, um, the, the, uh, ties that Craig and I both have with our, with our, with our fathers. Um, and so, you know, it was like, well, what happens if this father is missing? And, Hollywood, what would we do? We'd always, we'd never give up. We would never stop looking for him. And so that, I just think that seed, we kept making sure that in the book also, when we got down to writing the novel, that that was central to his motivation throughout everything he did was to find out where his father was. And of course he learns different things about magic, learns different techniques, uh, in New York and, and, and traveling through it. And he's, you get to be on his journey, but that journey is to look for his father. And, um, and I would say that's, that's kind of how we always kept kind of grounding ourselves to go back to who is Kingston. He's a, he's a kid who's, you know, who really knows that he needs his father back. His mother is awesome. Uh, and she's done the best she can. And she's finally brought him back and given him a little bit of, a little bit of rope to go out there and she i think she secretly kind of knows <laughs> that he's yeah. out there doing doing that but um and she wants to have a little bit of hope but she's gonna let kingston be that hope for her um because you know it's kind of weird to say oh your dad disappeared in a magic battle it's like what okay <laughs> did, he, did, did, did he just run off what happened you know what i mean so you know it was like, well, let's let, let a little bit of hope live in this kid and maybe something cool will come of it. But she's still trying to, like, you know, keep the family strong, keep it going. But his his he never wavered. That's the thing that, that that's unique about Kingston. This uh, this book is a great setup for for an entire world. And, uh, you know, um, this the the format of this book, the the genre and the um, uh, I, I'm hesitant to say that this is like a, a middle grade young adult. Um, 
novel because I think with that comes a lot of uh, expectations. But you know, some of the 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 best sort of loved fantasy series have started off uh, in that age group genre. I mean, look at Harry Potter um, that yeah. became as a as a middle grade, you know, and then in, into YA and and all of that. Um, but d- d- does this really create a world that you guys are looking to explore more and more? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I had a feeling. Uh, uh, like, let's say we, um, we did tons of research. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I think I think the other thing too is um, the 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 conceit always about where did his dad go? That was always the thing, you know. That was the that was all that was a lot of the work of the story building because um, Echo City, you know, we we felt like we understood Echo City. We were like, okay, we this is we get Echo City. We know it's it's a really kooky, interesting town, but what is it that what's the secret, you know, what's underneath the surface here. Um, and I think that's where we've spent a lot of time really developing. And I think that's where the series will go and all these things that we've brought in about, um, you know, black Herman and the, you know, the echo universes and these things that the readers will discover in the book, um, they will expand in a big way. And there's a big lore that's kind of under the surface of, this little, you know, this little part of Brooklyn that um, Kingston lives in, and and these kids will find that, and um, and I and I think in doing that, like like we mentioned a little bit earlier, we're trying to expand on the idea of what magic is. I think that was always an important thing. Like Harold and I would always say, this isn't. There's no wands and spells. That's not what this is. <laughs> um, and we had to. I think we we like when we first started writing it, we pulled back so, so much so that we didn't, we had to let go and allow, you know, more magical things to happen, but we really did want to make sure that it felt grounded so that when you got into the part of the, the, the magical part of the the story and where his father disappeared to, that you felt like it was grounded in something real. And, um, and, you know, we talked a lot about that, and then it, you know, it also it allowed us to um, talk about the concept of what magic has been to so many people for so many generations, and that the way that we perceive magic right now, and the the term magic, and what people may think of it, you know, it can it can kind of go the wrong way sometimes. Like I think people get turned off by it and, and think, oh, you know, it's kind of silly and parlor tricks and all this. But the history of magic is fascinating and going like way, way back. Um, and um, I, I think that's where we we kind of hope to explore uh, without giving anything away, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the new book, Kingston and the Magicians Lost and Found, uh, when you're hearing this is available everywhere. Um, the uh, it, You can grab it in Kindle edition or uh, or, uh, you know, actual paper. Uh, it's also, uh, an audio book. Um, how do you guys feel about the audio book production and, you know, being visual arts guys, um, do, do you feel like the audio book kind of bridges those two worlds? Yeah, I, I love it. It's, it's, uh, I just, just this summer started getting into audiobooks. Like that wasn't like, a, a much of a thing for me. I used to always just, you know, 
try to read, but then then I found I was able to increase my reading or through yeah. audiobooks, um, especially this summer. You know, trying to multitask. Well, God knows yeah. we needed something to fill some time <laughs> yeah, this year. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and so to hear what they did on this, oh, it's so cool. It's so yeah. amazing to hear all the different voices that the guy plays, and I don't know, it's 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 a treat. Yeah, it's it was really great, um, and they, you know, it's hard with. Uh, it's hard to sit down and read with two kids and a baby, you know, <laughs> you know, I know a lot of people can relate to that. So I love audiobooks because you can, you know, just pop in some headphones and listen while you're doing all the things that you got to do <laughs> these days. Um, so it was a treat to listen to that um, in that form. I think it's a great form. I, I love listening to books that way. And, and the other thing is I can sometimes draw my family members into it by, That's you know, a great point by putting it on right and then they're like well, what is this <laughs> it, it kind of becomes a communal experience almost uh, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah my son is you know he's seven and he's he's starting to read and um but when you put audiobooks on you put them in a head i mean he won't talk to you for 10 hours like he'll just be <laughs> in it you know like he went to a state like during the summer um it was probably three weeks he went through the first three Harry Potter books and you couldn't even talk to him. And then when he did talk to you, he was basically inside that world, just telling oh, you yeah. about what's going on. You know? Oh, so, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, as a father of five, anything you can uh-huh. do to, to get them occupied um, it yeah. is, is amazing. Well, we're yeah. going to put... <laughs> We're going to put links to Kingston and the, Ma- uh, the Magicians Lost and Found in the uh, show notes of this episode to make it easy for people to go buy it. Um, Harold and Craig, is there a place online where people can can go to you know, dig into all the great stuff that you do and find out more about you and, and connect with you guys? Yes, uh, we have a website for Rucker Moses. So it's www.com ruckermoses.com and then we're also on Instagram and Twitter I believe right Craig? Yeah yep rucker.moses on Instagram and I think the same on Twitter <laughs> but you'll find us but yeah awesome. we put a lot of stuff up on um, up on Instagram we're making some videos because that's what we do <laughs> we've been doing all the time <laughs> so we're putting some things up about some of the real magic history that's in the book and also check all that out well, Harold, Craig, Rucker Moses, uh, this has been so much fun talking today. Um, thank you guys for joining me. We're going to put links uh, to all your stuff in the show notes. And uh, and and please come back again when, when the next book comes out and, and this world expands more and more. I would love to catch up with you guys. Thank you, Hank. This has been a blast. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it, Hank. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, Look no farther than Pico's house. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's house is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started. 
the Bad Company Complete Series Omnibus, books one through seven. Humanity's greatest export, justice. Space is a dangerous place, even for the wary, especially for the unprepared. The aliens have no idea. Here comes the Bad Company. The Bad Company, book one, Colonel Terry Henry Walton takes his warriors into battle for a price in this first installment of The Bad Company. He believes in the moral high ground and is happy to get paid for his role in securing it. Set in the Cutharian Gambit universe, Terry, Char, and their people-humans, werewolves, were-tigers, and vampires form the core of The Bad Company's direct action branch, a private conflict solution enterprise. Join them as they fight their way across Tissakinan 4, where none of the warring parties were what they expected. The seven-book series Omnibus includes The Bad Company, Blockade, Price of Freedom, Liberation, Destroyer, Discovery, Overwhelming Force. Grab the complete Bad Company series by Craig Martell now. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Anderley. Virtutus Gloria Mercies. Translation, glory is the reward of valor. Fed up with playing the normal game, recent university graduate, ex-cum laude, ex-soccer star, ex-popular and mostly broke Cara Madano changes her life when she decides to research how to be a witch and believes it. Cara didn't want to go back east and deal with her overbearing mom, so when university was done, she stayed behind in Los Angeles. Little did she realize how controlling moms can be from the other side of the country. Feeling a little desperate to make her own way, she buys a few books on business and one on a lark, How to Be a Badass Witch. That's when the trouble started. Find out just what trouble a young woman can get into when the magic just might be real. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Andrews.